Welcome to Bloodhound Picks. Uh, as always, I'm one of your hosts, Craig. I'm Kyle. And this is Josh. Hey, Raphael. It's just like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> We're talking about Kyle's dog, who's in video right now. But <laughs> if you're watching the video version. Um, so this is going to be Josh's episode where he picked two films. One of both are sequels to slasher movies of the 80s. One is Sleepaway Camp 2. The other is Slumber Party Massacre 2. And since it's Josh's episode, take it away. So what I initially wanted to do with this was I wanted to pick sequels to, uh, you know, more well-known um, franchise films. So initially it was Phantasm 2 and it was From Dust Till Dawn 2, um, but that didn't work. So I went with my second choice uh, in Sleepaway Camp 2 and Slumber Party Massacre 2, which actually happened to be a much better decision. Um, we'll start with uh, Sleepaway Camp 2, um, which, uh, you know, here's the, here's the IMDb, you know, stupid fucking premise. Uh, it says that Angela who is from the first film, in case you're wondering. Uh, do, you want, do you want to give a little bit of a synopsis of Sleepaway Camp 1, just in case you know, somebody hasn't seen it or knows what the big twist at the end was that's famous? Uh, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> but since I, since I um, don't want don't to just make it up, let me look it up. Okay, so... Okay. The first film, Sleepaway Camp, is this is this is what IMDb says. It's Angela Baker is a shy, traumatized young girl is sent to summer camp with her cousin, and shortly after her arrival, everyone with sinister or less than honorable <laughs> intentions gets their comeuppance. <laughs> so basically, everyone dies and is being killed. Uh, in in you know this it, it, it's in this slasher film, and then at the end of the film, it's revealed that Angela is in fact the one doing it, but Angela is also not really a female; she is a he. Um, so it was really fucked up, and everyone that's ever seen the film only remembers that part of it, myself included. No, I'm just kidding, but um. It's it to say it's to say it's memorable is an understatement. So in so in the sequel, uh, Sleepaway Camp Two, um, Angela is back, um, and so now Angela, who is supposedly reformed uh, and living and living under an assumed surname, whatever the fuck that's about is working in, at a summer camp herself now. And when the campers start misbehaving, she soon reverts to her old ways. So Sleepaway Camp 2 sounds extremely mindless, right? Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's interesting because what's funny as fuck, too, is 
This is actually the second time I've seen Sleepaway Camp, probably in the last, I don't know, couple weeks. Um, and I think it's quite brilliant, in fact. And um, it came out in 1988, uh, which was five years after the first film. Um, and one thing that that is, you know, that stood out to me immediately is that this movie almost did this whole scream bit before scream in that it's extremely self-aware of what it is. All the characters seem to know that they're in a slasher film. Um, you know, it, it, it comments like specifically on other franchise films. Uh, you have characters in, in Sleepaway Camp 2 dressing up like Freddy, dressing up like Jason, dressing up like Leatherface, right? Um, it's extremely self-aware of what it's doing. Uh, all the kills are pretty great, too. Um, they don't seem really thought out that that much other than the outhouse one, which is <laughs> literally about made me, like, puke a little. I mean, that was fucking disgusting. Um, so, yeah, it, I, I think it's actually quite brilliant. And it totally goes... Uh, the first film was very serious, right? Um, this one is not at all. It knows, it, you know, it, it's it's clearly having fun. Um, again, all the characters seem to be in on every bit of, you know, not taking it seriously. I mean, not in a bad way, but, um, you know, it, it just, it's a, it, to me, it was, it was a great sort of departure from what the first movie was doing. Uh, the tone of the, everything, essentially, about the first movie is is gone out the window for for the sequel and i think that was the smartest thing that they could have done was to you know set out to do something completely different and uh like i said it, it when you when you describe what's going on in this movie um it sounds rather mindless and you know on the surface level it might be but it's definitely not what do you guys think um, so this is my first time seeing it and I had only recently seen the first one. Uh, I fucking loved it. Like I, uh, also love Pamela Springsteen who plays Angela, who is Bruce Springsteen's sister. Um, but she's so clearly a good person in real life. Like you can kind of just tell that I'm like, I was just on her side the whole movie. I was like, yeah, I mean, these kids are kind of pieces of shit and you just seem like a nice lady that's doing the right thing by murdering them. Because uh, that's what you should do. Um, but no, I mean, it is super self-aware and hilarious. I mean, that's what makes it so good. And it almost makes it more funny that she's not really a threatening actor, actor, you know? So you're just like, I don't know, it just makes it more funny that she turns out to be the killer because like, one scene she's singing Kumbaya, the next scene she's killing some teenagers that are having sex and delivering like a cheesy one-liner, and it's it's perfect. And you know she's the killer from right the away first moment, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that should be mentioned. So the first movie is definitely a whodunit type. They don't fucking yeah. care at all. They you you know damn well that she's the one murdering people just within what 
the first 10 minutes. And it's fucking hilarious, too, because it's like she kills somebody else about every five minutes. Yeah. Somebody dies in this movie. So it's well, never she... boring. And it's and it's, you know, what was it like? Seventy nine minutes. I mean, that's yeah. fucking speaking my language, man. <laughs> and the I have to say the outhouse scene. I wish I wrote that. Um <laughs> based on my disgusting shit that I write sometimes. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I have to say also by the, by the like final act when she's about to be fired from the camp, I was genuinely worried about Angela. <laughs> I was deeply involved in this drama. <laughs> well, it too, it goes in a way where she is also the protagonist and, you know, she, well, at least she's the one that you're following. So you're just kind of following her move from person to person killing them um yeah, yeah and it's it, i was just gonna say it, it is interesting because you know in her mind she doesn't think she's doing anything wrong right and these other people minus speaking of sisters uh yes charlie sheen and emilio estevez's sister is also in this movie um and she's kind of the the second uh main protagonist but yeah in angela's mind she's not doing anything wrong and all of these kids as kyle mentioned they're kind of assholes with the exception of uh you know the the i can't remember her name but the it's molly uh, isn't it in the yeah, yeah yeah molly yeah. who is That's the character's is, name yeah yeah who is renee estevez um you know she's she's obviously you know, she doesn't do drugs. She doesn't have sex. She doesn't do anything wrong. That's why Angela likes her. So if you're doing any of that stuff, you're going to get your fucking shit killed by Angela, who thinks that she's just doing the right thing. And she also, you know, it's so funny uh, seeing the actress. It almost like looks like she's having a hard time being <laughs> that evil, which is also fucking funny. That just makes it better. Uh, also, really quick, the two there's two like creepy kids taking naked pictures or whatever, yeah. but they uh, are mentioned when they go missing. Like, where's Charlie and Emilio? Yeah. Which is like a nod to the Estevez brothers. <laughs> what What I would say though that you know because obviously um, this isn't one of those things where you know, you find yourself agreeing with Angela, not just because, you know, it's not just there's these kids having sex and, you know, the whole, I guess, Reagan era of, like, if you have sex, you should die type of thing. But, you know, <laughs> you can agree with Angela in the fact that some of these, you know, there's the two kids that are taking, you know, uh, I guess if you want to call it unconsensual naked photos of the people, there's these boys that go in and, you know, basically do the panty raids or, you know, sexually harass these women. And so, and the rest of the camp is kind of like, Oh, well, you know, boys will be boys or, you know, <laughs> they do a lot of stuff like that. So that is where I'll agree and say, you do kind of, you agree with Angela and being like, well, yeah, but what they're doing, it's is also really messed up. It's not like they're just like some kids having fun. They're like doing horrible stuff. And most of the time, Angela is like, there's a lot of, An of out. yeah, there's a lot of heart to heart where Angela's like, yeah. I know you're like a good camper and you just got to <laughs> try to be a good camper. And they're like, screw you. And, and then she's like, I'm going to, all right, I'm taking out this drill now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. Yeah. 
it's hilarious because I think yeah I don't remember if it's before every person that she kills but she always like goes into like telling them like what they did wrong first yeah. you know and it's fucking hilarious it's like she's like really trying to make these people better but they're just not having it yeah. oh there's also um, a lot of mullets in this movie which yeah. adds a lot um and that there's a good what oh no tc or tl yes. he has an epic mullet yeah i was gonna say the, he he's like the epitome of the boys will be boys too he's like the cool uh guy camp counselor that's like oh they're yeah. taking naked pictures whatever you want to hang yeah. you want to do something later angela you want to go yeah. hang out by the pool he's like uh no <laughs> uh, well, he also he's yeah he's nice he's like trying to like he's like trying to like be romantically involved with angela and she clearly has no interest <laughs> I think she, you know, it's funny too, because, you know, we were just doing the, the queer topic and it's, it's, she's, she's much more interested in, in the Molly character than anybody yeah. else. So, uh, but yeah, the, the TC character, it's just hilarious that he just keeps trying and it just, you know, well, it's I, not working. It, it's interesting because in the beginning of this one too, they're telling the, the campfire story of what happened in the first movie. And there is a whole discussion on where if Angela is a woman or a man and, you know, you have some guy that's like, well, if it's not there, that means she's a woman now and stuff, you know, one of the, these kind of bro guys. But again, with, I can't remember again, TC or T, um, it's TC, I think TC. Yeah. Where he sees the conference confiscated nude photos of these campers is, he basically goes, "Oh, nice tit." I'm one of them. Like, These yeah, are underage girls that you're doing this to, you pervert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and well, yeah. The whole opening is pretty transphobic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's also the hilarious line in the like, just the way that opening is delivered has an urban legend around a campfire is pretty well written to be like funny. Where like they tell that story and they're like, "I wonder where she is now," and the one kid's like. I heard, well, either she's dead or she went to Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's good writing. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I also love the scene. Like they have a couple like camp meetings before shit yeah. really goes off the rails. And there's a part where TC is listing off all the shit that's missing that are like all the murder weapons <laughs> that the angel is going to use. It's so great. <laughs> Yeah, there's no shortage of, like, whether it was intentional or not, uh, especially dialogue. Um, you guys, st you guys had neither one of you have mentioned what I thought was probably the, the best line in the entire film, which comes at the end uh, as Angela is. Um, so basically, she's killed everybody at this point, and she uh, flags down the woman driving the truck to get a ride and the woman driving the truck tells her that she's too dumb to drink and too fat to fuck. And it was just like, Oh my God. And that's literally like the only thing that the woman says that, and it's like, and then she fucking kills her, but she couldn't kill her until that line was said, you know? Yeah. I was going to say, well, it's a great moment where you're like, Angela's about to get away and she clearly doesn't like this lady who's like smoking and kind of rude. And you're like, well, maybe she'll just get a ride and just get out of here. And then that lady says that and you're like, well, oh, she's going to kill her. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, 
that's not an acceptable thing to say, lady. You're getting murdered. <laughs> Is uh so I have to say after watching this, I definitely want to watch part three. Uh, is it any good? What's the story there? I, I actually haven't seen, seen the third one. Okay, it's I, it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, there's four to, or four, five. Uh, there's at least four. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, I just, I just know three was filmed back to back with this, so it's the same yeah. actress. Yeah. So. So it's it's Springsteen's sister. Yeah. Is Angela still? Okay, cool. Yeah, it was funny because I was like, I wonder why the I wonder why uh. They didn't just get Felissa Rose. And I read, I guess she was too young because they wanted like a significant amount of time to have gone by since the first movie. And she in real life would have been too young and wouldn't, I guess it wouldn't have been seemed realistic to, to have her in that role. I read that she didn't really get the humor either. Oh, maybe that was part of it. But I mean, it definitely works perfect with this actress because it's just agreed yeah yeah she just seems so innocent that you're just it just makes everything funnier yeah definitely <clears throat> so if we're done let's move on to the other sequel slumber party massacre 2 <laughs> take it yeah. away josh Okay. You want to start off with what happened in Slumber Party Massacre One? Yeah, we need a recap. What was God. what was Slumber Party Massacre about? God damn it! Just <laughs> read the title. Um, okay, so the first film is you know I mean at least in in this kind of horror circle uh, is pretty well known, um, and you know if the title alone doesn't give it away. Um, this is what IMDb says for the first film. It says, uh, a high school student's slumber party turns terrifying as an escaped mental patient with a drill decides to crash the evening. It doesn't mention anything about the escaped mental patient murdering people, but trust me, that's in there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's this very um, phallic tool of, of weapon of choice for the guy. Um, which is hilarious. And it, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a really, um, good example of, um, kind of doing a slasher film in the eighties, uh, in a little different and giving it something to say. Um, so, you know, then part two, uh, again, 77 minutes, man, that shit is just right up my alley. I would watch anything that's just if if I see a runtime that's seventy seven minutes, I'm in. Careful um, what you wish for. We'll just make you watch Luz again or lose. Oh yeah. Jesus! Except that one. <laughs> it's only seventy one um, minutes. That's true. It seems like it's a thousand and one. <laughs> um, what about so, Blood Machines? That was only like oh god, minutes. that was like yeah, that was a couple of years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So. In, in Summer Party Massacre 2, this is what IMDb says. So it says, Courtney Bates, the younger sister of Valerie, which they don't mention, Courtney Bates is a character in the first film. She's a minor character in the first film. Um, but she is now the lead in Slumber Party Massacre 2. So Courtney Bates, the younger sister of Valerie, and her friends go to their condo for a weekend getaway 
but Courtney can't get rid of the haunting feeling that a supernatural rockabilly driller killer is coming to murder them all. Um, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Um, I guess uh, it, it, so again, after I, I had never seen this movie ever. And um, after it was over, um, I was like uh, thinking that I just, watched one of the dumbest things I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> but I thought about it for a little while and I was like, you know what? That film was actually pretty motherfucking smart. And um, I also thought it was great that you don't really need to have seen the first movie at all. And this still works. Um, it, Of course it helps if you have, because, you know, essentially the, the Courtney character uh, you know, she's in a band, okay? And so she essentially is romanticizing the killer from the first film as a rock and roll kind of, you know, greaser uh, guy with a fucking drill guitar. And it's all, like, in her head. Like, this person doesn't exist, right? It's just her kind of romanticized version of the guy from the first movie. And, you know, it's not quite clear. Like, is she like a clairvoyant, you know, like she's, she's obviously made this guy up and she's having these like, you know, dreams and, and visions and premonitions or whatever you want to call it of this guy. And, and, you know, essentially she is kind of having, she is, having a premonition of what is going to happen in the future, which, you know, it's, it's funny that they don't like make it clear. Um, but it, it, it also kind of is one of those things where it's like, uh, the, the guy who out of nowhere becomes real. Um, like, did he, did she manifest him into being, you know, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like Freddy Krueger, right? Freddy Krueger is only in your dreams, but you know, he can be pulled out and that's essentially the exact thing that happens in this movie with this greaser rockabilly guy, um, which, you know, doesn't really make any sense at all, but you know what? It, it worked for me. I, I went with it. Um, I didn't know if it was supposed to be like poor logic version of, you know, that she was, I don't know one of those she was the killer like a high tension thing where it just it doesn't really fully work but I and see yeah. that's craig that's exactly what i thought was going to happen was that it was going to turn out that courtney the character of courtney was the one that was killing all of her friends and you know obviously making it seem like this rockabilly greaser guy with yeah. a giant dick drill guitar <laughs> was the one doing it um so that's interesting that you say that because that's I swear that I had that thought and I was like, if that's what they fucking do, but they don't. So yeah. <laughs> Kyle, you want to go? All right. First. Uh, yeah, I so I rewatched Slumber Party Massacre one just to just to just to really do my <laughs> due diligence here. Uh, and that was not important at all to do. Uh, this was my first time seeing this, too. I 
was confused about where the fuck I basically had Josh's reaction he just described was like I think that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen (laughs) but I do have to say thinking back on it the fact that she's like in a band and she's like uh you know like about to have her first boyfriend almost it seems like it does kind of make sense that there's like all that stuff ties together with her memories of this uh murders from the first movie um so maybe i'll give it another chance but uh i think uh these rockabilly (laughs) drill tar dance number murders were just like i was like i don't know what the fuck is even happening anymore what am i is this movie over yet (laughs) um and uh one guy tj jesus christ was that guy a douchebag the one what he was and he was doing this weird like surfer stoner voice that guy was the worst <laughs> i don't know craig <laughs> help me out no i um i agree i did not watch slumber party massacre one going into this but i remember it takes place in um valencia or it's in california somewhere the first yeah one. yeah and um it's like first of all like why do they have i don't remember them having southern accents well and then the southern it's only the lead and her mom everyone else yeah but i didn't think the lead valerie i guess her older sister had a southern accent in the whatever no she didn't i guess not crucial but um but it was bugging me the whole time i'm trying to remember um i like yeah it's just kind of all over the place and there's like the weird dream sequences that i i would agree with josh she is kind of clairvoyant but there's so many scenes too where it's like oh i like this song and then they turn off the song there's so many stinking where they reference whatever song and there's like dance numbers basically where they're just saying there and yeah i don't know even when they first got to the the cabin which isn't really a cat it's it's like a it's like a fucking uh like a normal uh, house or like a it's a it's a duplex yeah it's so funny because they were calling it a condo yeah and so like i was expecting like i was expecting it to be like you know a real condo and not like a fucking duplex yeah but then i don't know it (laughs) they're just spraying champagne all over the floor i was like man that Maybe I'm just getting older now, and I'd be like, why? Why would you do that? Who's going to clean that up now? They also just... Yeah, that that was hilarious that that chick did. She literally just took that bottle and just dumped it on the fucking carpet. And like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) They also just strip out of their clothes in front of each other, which they did in the first one, too, which I get the gratuitous nudity, but you're also just like, is that really what happens at a girl's slumber party? (laughs) It is a Roger Corman. Yeah. Well, of course it is. The the two guys that are that are peeping tomming them even say, "Man, I can't believe that girls actually do this." <laughs> yeah, and then that one guy's like, "We're not alive. We died and we're in heaven." It's like, shut the fuck up, dude. <laughs> oh man. Well, it's... then the family is we. So there's a booze closet. There's. She talks about, oh, my brother, I forgot her, Sheila, isn't she, it's her house, or her parents' house, 
I honestly don't remember, but I think it is. The redhead. That she is like, oh, I guess my brother was here recently. Yeah. Knows this because there's a blow-up doll in the bed. (laughs) And then they they start, like, messing with it. Yes. And what's interesting is that all of the Slumber Party Massacre movies, at least the first three, are all directed by women, too, so. Yeah. Yeah, no difference here. (laughs) It should also be noted, too, that uh, in a weird kind of uh, turn of events that this film, Slumber Party Massacre 2, has two actresses from the Friday the 13th franchise in it. And, you know, I noticed that right away. Um, Juliet Cummins is one of them. And the other one would be Heidi Kozak, who is also in society, is also in society. Yes. <laughs> society for um, 400. <laughs> what do you guys think of the uh, uh, so this movie, too, I couldn't have. I couldn't have picked two better choices if I had to in terms of how they relate to one another, because this film also is completely different from the original slumber party massacre, right? Yes. It's totally fucking different. It's, it's literally using essentially I said, I made the, uh, the comparison to the killer being like Freddy Krueger. And that's essentially what he is in, in this movie. So it's, got this like supernatural bit to it so you get really great parts like the sally character having the zit on her face that is like the size of a basketball and pus and shit exploding out of it which was seriously i mean why would you not do that you know i mean if you had the means (laughs) to have a giant zit exploding all over somebody i mean come on but it kind of it feels like so with sleepaway camp slumber party massacre and then there was also during that time what um prom night 2 where it's like all of these oh, yeah. sequels that were kind of related connected but also went in a completely different direction away from kind of realism i guess as much as they can be but yeah that's what it felt like it was with a lot of that and um, I think both of them, from what Josh would say, is that they're kind of these movies that almost there is very little plot. And you're just basically going from kill to kill or from like gratuitous whatever to, you know, either beast violence, sex. Dancing. Dancing. Yeah, they're just linked by that and then a very thin plot. <laughs> find all this dancing so fucking gratuitous. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like they all leaned into the self-aware horror thing, which is good. I think I just wanted Slumber Party Massacre to be more self-aware. Like, Sleepaway Camp 2 is better, in my opinion, because it's it's leaning even more into it, where, like, Slumber Party, like, the killer is definitely self-aware, but, you know, the the Courtney actress from Wings... (laughs) uh, She just seemed like she was trying to be so serious. And you're like, there's a guy with a guitar with a drill. And you're like crying. And it's like, nah. (laughs) You can wink at the camera for Christ's sakes. Yeah, stop crying. Yeah. Yeah, um, Go ahead, Craig. Oh, no. 
passing it back to you if you have any more for us. Uh, motherfucker, I did have something else, but now I don't remember what it was. Uh, um, yeah, um, I thought that again too, like just the uh, the kind of subtle connection between these two movies. I like I couldn't have done a better job of of picking two sequels in in terms of you know like we mentioned bruce springsteen's sister was the lead in sleepaway camp 2 and in slumber party massacre 2 there's a girl rock band i mean come on man you know (laughs) unreal they're basically the same movie yeah it's all there lots of lots of gratuitous dance scenes yeah they came out the same year too we should mention they both came out in 87 they did yeah (laughs) Okay, well, um, if you have seen either of these movies and want to tell us what you think, send us a comment, message. If you have not and decide to watch them because of us chatting about them, then, yeah, send a message away. Um, The next time we will be meeting, it will be under, I think, a My Pick episode. I'm Craig, if you haven't caught on to the voice (laughs) by now. and I am doing a double feature of Peter Strickland that might turn into a triple if we're, but I'll do a double feature just because to not put you guys through so much of the Barbarian <laughs> Sound Studio and In Fabric, which, yeah. So check us out. And as always, thanks for listening. Adios. Too dumb to drink and too fat to fuck. Bloodhound Picks Podcast is produced by Josh Lee, Craig Dram, and Kyle Hintz. Music by Raymond Seed. Audio editing by Kyle Hintz.